pray. Well, would you take the Word of God this uh, morning with me and turn to Acts chapter 12? I mean, Acts chapter 17. That's what I meant to say. Acts chapter uh, 17. As soon as you find your place there in Acts chapter 17, uh, would you please uh, stand with me? And out of um, reverence to the Word of God, as we uh, bring our minds together and to think about what God has to say about the first uh, century churches, believers, His work, and certainly this is an important uh, portion of Scripture for us to consider here. As we look in this chapter, if you remember, before we get to chapter 17, uh, if we were to grade Paul's uh, missionary journey, we could say wonderful, but a lot of opposition. Remember in Philippi, chapter 16, he was uh, falsely accused, he was beaten, he ended up in prison. By the way, even when they let him go from prison, they wanted him to leave the city, so he had to leave prematurely. Uh, we go into chapter 17, and in the beginning of chapter 17, he was in Thessalonica. Remember, he was there at least uh, three Sabbath days, at least for three weeks. Probably stayed there a little longer than that, but eventually there was an uproar in the city. The house of Jason was assaulted, and so they left the city of Thessalonica. And now we come to the city of Berea. Uh, we're going to see that the Jews in Thessalonica are going to travel down to Berea as soon as they hear the word of God being preached in Berea. Uh, they're so vehemently opposed to the gospel that they go to another city and to cause a disruption in the city of Berea. And so now we find ourselves in Berea. Let's see how that goes. Um, the emphasis in Thessalonica is really on the teaching of Paul. How did he teach the people? He, uh, in Thessalonica, the Bible says he reasoned with them from the scriptures. He opened and alleged uh, that Jesus Christ must need suffer, risen, uh, and that Jesus whom he preaches is Christ. And so there's that element of it. There's an emphasis on the teaching of Paul and how he preached in Thessalonica. The emphasis on Berea is not necessarily on the manner in which Paul preached, but it's more on the reception of the believers. And when we think about the teaching and the preaching of God's word, there are two elements involved. There's the teaching and the preaching, but there's also the receiving. The teaching and preaching is emphasized in Thessalonica. The receiving is emphasized in Berea. So let's look at that. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And when the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews, these, that's the Bereans, the Jews in Berea, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. So the Jews in Berea were more noble than the Jews in Thessalonica. Why? in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then, immediately, the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, 
But Silas and Timotheus abode there still, and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. I'd like to bring your attention as we look at verse 11. When it uh, refers to those who received the word in Berea, the, he went to the synagogue, so we're assuming here these is mainly Jews in Berea. Verse 11 says, They received the word with all readiness of mind. I want to preach this morning on this, a mind ready to receive the word. A mind ready to receive the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we consider this second missionary journey and our study of it, help us to understand the importance of those who are on the side of receiving the word. As it comes to the word, there is the giving, the preaching, the teaching of your word, and the manner in which that is done is important. But also the manner in which it is received is just as important if it's going to make a lasting impact in the lives of those who hear it. And so we pray for uh, understanding this morning as we study your word that we might apply those things that are found in Berea in our own lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I just mentioned, when we look through the word of God and that is true for both the Old and the New Testament. There are two groups of people that are involved as it comes to the Word of God. There are those who are teaching and preaching the Word of God, passing the Word of God along, spreading the Word of God, evangelizing the Word of God, but there is also a recipient. And it seems to us as we study the Bible that both aspects are important. We have admonition for uh, Paul to Timothy saying, to Timothy, preach the word. He tells Timothy, study to show thyself approved of, uh, approved of God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so Paul told Timothy, when you present the word, make sure that you present it in a, uh, a clear way, in a way that is reflective of the word of God, not your opinions, Timothy. So there's an element that that's important. Jesus Christ in his teaching was very convincing when people heard the teaching of Jesus Christ, they were astonished at his doctrine because he spake as one having authority and not as the scribes and the Pharisees. So there's an element in the Bible where we understand it's important to communicate the word of God clearly and effectively in this very chapter. When Paul was in Thessalonica and when he met in the synagogue, he reasoned with the Jews from the scriptures. He opened and alleged to them that Jesus must needs have suffered and be risen, and that Jesus is Christ. And so we see that uh, there are descriptive terms when it came to Paul's teaching and communicating in the Word of God. But there's also a very strong emphasis in the Bible for those who hear the Word and how they receive it. Uh, Jesus Christ gave that example when he talked about the different types of ground. He said the seed, which is the Word of God, sometimes it falls on hard ground. Sometimes it's, it falls on, on thorny ground and the word of God is, is choked. It uh, falls on different types of ground. But then there's the, the good ground and those who receive the word of God. We know here in our, uh, our study of the book of Acts that wherever Paul went, there are a group of people who believed, who received the word, but there was also many times a group of people who were 
hard to the Word of God. Uh, Stephen put it this way when he preached to the Sanhedrin Council, the religious leaders of his day. He says, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. They had a hard-heartedness in what? Not receiving the Word of God. On the other hand, the contrast to that, you remember when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, after he's done preaching, the Bible says, then they that gladly received the Word were baptized And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so we have a contrast throughout the Word of God of those who receive the Word of God and those who reject the Word of God, who revolt and rebel against the Word of God, and who are vehemently opposed against the Word of God. And so here in Berea, God gives us, I believe, a pattern of how uh, we should receive the Word of God. I will refer to this as... The Berean standard. Uh, The Berean standard means that uh, when you think about the believers in Berea, this passage comes to our mind. uh, That uh, later we'll see even when Paul writes to the believers in Thessalonica, he says, when you receive the word of God, you receive not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And we know here that Paul, when he comes to Berea, he is not giving them anything new because he is reasoning from the scriptures. He is not preaching his own ideas. All of the messages that we've read, studied in the book of Acts thus far, have been filled with Old Testament references, every one of them. And so here, this is the same uh, for the Apostle Paul. Now here in Berea, as we look at this account from verse 10 down to verse 15, Paul arrives in Berea, as he did in Thessalonica, he goes to the synagogue of the Jews, Verse 11 uh, gives us that Berean standard of receiving the Word of God. And that's really what I want to spend the, most of the time this morning. But as we look in verse 12, we see that many people believe the Word. Uh, it mentions honorable women, which were Greeks. So that means there were Gentile women who were married to very prominent men in the city, men of power and authority, and of men, notice not a few. So evidently it was not just a small amount. I think that both in Thessalonica and Berea, the Bible says, not a few. Why would he say that? Well, I think it's because of what happened in in, in Philippi. It seemed that there was very few that believed in Philippi. But by contrast, you go to Thessalonica and then Berea, there's no number given, but the Bible says it was not a few. It was a, a good number of those who were there in Berea believed. Now, as soon as they hear news of that in verse 13, The Jews of Thessalonica, if you would go back early on in the chapter, we find that it was the Jews that had found lewd fellows of the baser sort and had caused an uproar in the city. And those lewd fellows of the baser sort assaulted the house of Jason and brought the people to the the people in authority in Thessalonica. And so we see here that the Jews in Thessalonica are, are so stirred up still that they travel down to Berea. Notice when they they had knowledge that the word of God was preached. Now, it's interesting to me that the Jews in Thessalonica got all stirred up when what happened? When the word of God was preached. It didn't say when they heard that Paul was conveying his own ideas, when they uh, heard about the false prophet Paul, when they heard that Paul was preaching the word of God. It's interesting that people still get stirred up when the word of God is preached. They get upset. Uh, They get all uh, bent out of sorts. Why? Because the word of God is being preached. 
the Bible says, they did the same thing that they had done in Thessalonica, here in Berea, they came thither also, and they stirred up the people. You know, the work of God is certainly affected by, uh, by, by many different things. But there's something that we find in the book of Acts, and you know, throughout the Bible, Proverbs says that one of the things that God hates Seven are an abomination. One of them is he that soweth discord among the brethren. What does that, what does that mean? Someone who stirs things up. Someone who has that talent and that gift to stir people up and to cause conflict between people. Now, obviously here this is not in the context of the church. It's in the context of uh, the city of Berea. Uh, it's in context of the Jews who have been thus far receiving the word of God and listening intently to the preaching and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. But they come and they bring, as we have seen, and I, I'm assuming this because that's the pattern that we've seen throughout the book of Acts, they come with some false accusation. We, we notice here in our uh, text early on that they, they would accuse, well, uh, they're commanding us to follow a new king, not the Roman king, but this Jesus. They want to make him king and and so they would take uh, what the believers were preaching and teaching and they would kind of twist it and, and they would stir the people up. And there's an uproar here again in Berea. And so verse 14, immediately Paul went away. That's what happened in Thessalonica. That's what happened in Philippi. That's what now is happening in Berea. He is sent away and he's going to go down to Athens. We'll look at Athens next week, but... Uh, Silas and Timothy are going to stay behind. We know later Paul is going to send them back to Thessalonica to check on the believers there in the church at Thessalonica. And uh, Paul is brought to Athens, and he receives a command unto Silas and Timotheus. But I want us to go back to verse 11, because this is where I want to spend my time. The believers or the people in Berea are described and the way they receive the word is described. Now, this is very interesting because this is not, and this is where the book of Acts is beneficial for us because this is not just a historical record of just documenting facts of what happened in Philippi, of what happened in Thessalonica, of what happened in Berea. God now not just give, doesn't only give us the historical facts, but He gives us some insight into the disposition, uh, the characteristics of the people there that only God would know. You see, we're looking inside of those who are at Berea, not just them, the, the historical fact of them that they listened or that they heard but the manner in which they heard and listened. And so we have a standard, a good standard that God gives us here that I believe uh, we can learn from and receive. I'm going to call this the Berean standard. Now, somebody may have already called it that. I just wrote it down, so I will say I'm claiming originality with this, the Berean standard. But somebody else may have said that. But I want to establish the Berean standard and that we might learn from it. Do you notice with me verse 11? These, the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, 
and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. I really like that. Uh, we know that Jesus Christ, remember what he said in Matthew 13, 23, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and thirty. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, the Bible says when he writes to the believers at Thessalonica, he says, and ye became followers of me and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and joy of the Holy Ghost. So the believers in Thessalonica had received the word in much affliction. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so there's examples of those who receive the word of God. And as we come here to Berea, there are some specific things that will help us and give us insight onto how can we receive the word of God? What, what is the manner in which the word of God is received? And here we have the description. First of all, let me give you the first point as to the Berean standard. First of all, the disposition or attitude of individuals is largely derived from the source upon which the mind is exercised. Let me, let me say that again, then I'll explain the term. The disposition or attitude of individuals, of you and I, is largely derived from the source upon which the mind is exercised. Uh, the term here in verse 11 says that these believers in Berea were more noble. Now, that expression noble doesn't mean that they're better uh, that, than those in Thessalonica. There are some in Thessalonica that believed. But generally speaking, the Jews that were in the synagogue in Berea were more noble. That means that their disposition and their attitude was better than the disposition and the attitude of those who were in Thessalonica. And the truth is, when we come to church, when we open the Word of God and we hear the teaching of the preaching of the Word of God, there is always a disposition and an attitude when we approach the Word of God. Some people may hear the Word of God and at the onset, they have a bad attitude and they have a bad disposition. Some people come, they have a good disposition and a good attitude towards the Word of God. What gives us here, uh, how come some people are, uh, are well disposed, have a good attitude, and some are not well disposed to receive the Word of God? Well, I think that largely that is derived, or it comes from, the source upon which the mind is exercised. You see, why were these more noble than those in Thessalonica? Well, the Bible tells us. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that, here is why, here is why they are more noble, in that they receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So do you see here, their nobleness, their disposition, and their attitude is derived from what? From the source upon which the mind was exercised. In other words, the, the, those who were in Berea were, had a focus on the Word of God. 
They wanted to hear from God. They wanted to hear the Word of God taught and preached. They had a readiness of mind. They would, what? When Paul would say something, what would they do? They would search the Scriptures. You see, they knew that the authority over their lives was the Word of God. That was already acknowledged. Now, were they ignorant about Christ? Were they ignorant about salvation? Yes. That's why Paul did. He would reason with them from the Scriptures. He would open. He would reveal to them something that they did not know. And he would allege to them. He would prove to them from the Scriptures that this was true. And to a large extent, our attitude when it comes to the Word of God and us receiving teaching and preaching from the Word of God is largely derived from where our mind is exercised in the first place. Because the Bereans here, their mind was already turned towards the Word of God before Paul got there. The searching of the Scriptures was something they already did before Paul got there. And so therefore when Paul came and he preached to them, there was one recourse for them. Well, let's just check to see if that is true. And they would search the Scriptures. And so their attitude and their disposition towards the teaching and the preaching of Paul was a good one. Why? Because their mind had already been exercised in the Scriptures. Those who may come to church with an attitude are probably those who have not set their minds and their hearts on the Word of God. Who are ready to come and listen and say, well, if the Bible declares it, then I will submit to it. And so the disposition or attitude of individuals is largely derived from the source upon which the mind is exercised. The second thing we notice in our text is that the hunger and thirst to know the Scriptures is contagious in a congregation. The hunger and thirst to know the Scriptures is contagious in a congregation. Now, here I know this is a synagogue, but the word synagogue is, means congregation. It's the place where the Jews who were not in Jerusalem would assemble, worship God, read the Scriptures, and uh, have an exhortation from someone in the synagogue. So this was where the Jews congregated. But the Bible, notice in our text in verse 11, the Bible says, These, who? Well, the group of Jews who were in Berea meeting in the synagogue, these Jews in Berea were more noble than those. Who's the those? The Jews in Thessalonica, those who were in the synagogue. And so here we see those So generally speaking, the group of those in Berea, did everybody believe? No. But generally speaking, the group in Berea was more noble than the other group in the synagogue in Thessalonica. So it tells us here that there is a certain spirit when Paul went to Thessalonica, when he preached in the synagogue, there was a spirit in that place. When he went to Berea, there was also a spirit in that place. And God tells us the spirit was good in Berea. Why? Because the people were more noble. Why? Because they had a readiness of mind to receive the scriptures. They searched the scriptures. Their mind was focused on the scriptures. And so therefore, that hunger and that first to know the word of God was contagious in the congregation. I, I don't know how often you've had the opportunity to go to other churches, but every church has a spirit. And sometimes you might go to a church and you might look around and you might say, nobody is interested in God. Nobody is interested in the Word of God. Sometimes the preacher might not be interested in the Word of God because he never opens it. But there's a certain spirit here, and the spirit is Berea. And notice, it's contagious because there's God defined now. Did everybody have that spirit? No. But generally speaking, there was a spirit in that congregation of hunger and thirst for the Word of God, and that was contagious. 
it was, there was just a different spirit in Berea than there was in Thessalonica. And God points that out. Is there a hunger and a thirst in our lives? And my prayer is that there would be first a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God in this congregation, and also that that spirit would become contagious and spread. So these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Thirdly, we notice in our text that the Holy Scriptures should be examined daily. Do you notice here what they did? Uh, they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the Scriptures. What's the next word? Daily, whether those things were so. And so here, the Scriptures were examined daily. And so Paul had been preaching, and he had been teaching to them. He had no doubt opened and lectured them. He had reasoned from them from the Scriptures. And so their recourse was not just to believe this man that was teaching and preaching, but to look to the Word of God and says, is that so? He just made a reference, and we know Paul's preaching. He would go through the whole history of Israel. And so as he would go, as he always did, through the history of Israel and how the Messiah came about, uh, they would have to go back to the law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and then go to the prophets and think about the prophecies that he was mentioning, probably spent some time in the Psalms, and then they would come back and they would say, you're right, that's what the Scriptures says. And so there was a daily examination of the Scriptures. You see, the truth should be the object of constant study. Let me say that again. The truth should be the object of constant study. Do you notice what they did not do? They, they did not read the contemporary newspaper. They did not listen to the news broadcast. You know what they searched to find the evidence? The Word of God. Uh, were there other sorts of writings that they could learn some things? Certainly you can learn some things from many avenues. But what they were concerned about is here, this is why they were focused on, here is the truth. And we will accept, we will accept whatever the truth is. And so when the truth is presented, they're searching it, they're looking for evidence for the truth, and when they're searching daily, they come to find out that here is the truth, and therefore the truth should be the object of daily study. We should be in the Word of God every day. Learning from God and uh, uh, let me ask you this, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but how much reading do you do? And if you think about all the reading do you do, proportionally, what is the percentage of time of all the reading that you do that you spend in the Word? Do a comparative chart. How many books do you read? How many articles do you read? How many blogs do you read? How much in the Word do you spend time? You see, people in a book can write about the truth, but this is where the truth is. It's the source of it. And so we see here that the Holy Scripture should be examined daily. That's the Berean standard. God commends them for that. The next thing we find here in our text is that the searching of the Scriptures is the best way to keep the mind from error. The searching of the Scriptures is the best way to keep the mind from error. Uh, notice in our, in our text 
The verse says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Now, I know the Bible is a spiritual book, but there is the aspect that it is also an intellectual book where we have to learn, where we have to search, where we have to study. And this is not a book that is outside of reason. It is very reasonable, and all the evidence that we need is right here. And by the way, thousands of people through the centuries have been convinced by the same source. It's quite wonderful. He says, though, when they search the Scriptures daily, notice the next word, whether those things were so. What did they not want to fall into? Error. There is a lot of error in the world. A lot of it. But the searching of the Scriptures, we find, is the best way to keep the mind from error. They had a readiness of mind. They wanted to know the truth. The truth was in the Word of God. And so they thought it was that we need to search the Scriptures daily, whether those things are so. Because we want to keep ourselves from error. We don't want our minds to go astray and to begin to think about some other doctrine or something that is outside of the Word of God. And so we want to keep ourselves from error. And the best way to do that is to search the Scriptures. You want to keep yourself from error? Search the Scriptures. The fifth thing that we find is that the preaching of ministers, the preaching of ministers should always be examined by the Scriptures. The preaching of ministers should always be examined by the Scriptures. Now, we read, uh, if you notice a little later on, what was Paul doing? Well, notice verse 13. When the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the Word of God was preached of Paul at Berea. So, what was Paul doing? Well, he was preaching. Now, we read verse 11. We know that the Bible says that Paul and Silas went to Berea and they went into the synagogue. These were more noble than those. So there's no, nothing that says here that Paul was preaching, but evident later, evidently later on he says he was preaching. And so when Paul was preaching, teaching, admonishing, exhorting, uh, the people, notice, they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. So here Paul was presenting truth. He was expounding the truth. He was explaining to them the truth. And so they also had a responsibility to examine what the minister was saying. You know, First Day Baptist Church is a church where we believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's inspired. It's inerrant. And we believe it, and we accept it. And so when we come to the Scriptures, you should be convinced by the time the service is done that I haven't led you into my way, into what I've been convinced with, but to lead you into what the Word of God says. And you have to be able to say, well, look, well, that's what the Bible says. And he's explained it in a way that, that, is, that is logical, that is consistent with all of the Scriptures. There are many false prophets today. But I think that there is a, a sense where sometimes we might be focused a little bit more, more on, on personality than the Word of God. Or I think, well, I, I like how this person sounds. Well, I like that guy. He seems like he loves us. You know, many people who've deceived 
a great number of people had the pretense of love and care and affection. I just like the way that sounds. That is not the standard. The standard is the Word of God. And so any teaching and preaching from any minister should always be examined by the Scriptures. I fear that today there's the misconception that we come to the Scriptures, we already have our ideas, we're already convinced of what we want to believe in, and so if the Word of God doesn't agree with us, we may say, well, the minister is not right because I've already got my preconceptions, and I already have my ideas, I already have my opinion, and so if, if the Word of God says something that I don't agree with, then I'll reject that. That's not how the Bereans were. Paul was preaching. They did not place undue authority on Paul. They just said, let's find out if what he says is the truth. And by the way, it was the truth. These people were convinced. They believed. And it was a rational belief based upon a known, established, proven authority. The Word of God. You know why the world is so unstable? Because the unchanging reference has been removed. And now we have everybody's opinion. And the Word of God has been placed on the shelf. Well, that's an antique book. No. This is the unchanging Word of God. Whoop, all the papers are flying out. See? This is the Word of God. We don't need all this other stuff. <laughs> it's the unchanging an errant, infallible word of God, and it's been around, and it's been proven, and it's been tested, and therefore this is the standard. And so we do not applaud the, the minister. We should be grateful for the word of God. The word of God. There's one more thing we find here, and that is the reception of the scriptures is evidenced by the practical change of mind and action. The reception of the scriptures is evidenced by the practical change of mind and action. Do you notice here in the middle of this verse, they were noble in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Readiness of mind. I'm interested here in that expression, readiness of mind. What does that mean that they had a ready mind? I think that there was a sense that there was, a, there was an expectation and an enthusiasm. But the mindset here, notice, of a ready mind, this is the mindset. If you give us the word of God, minister, we will do it. We will obey it and we will submit to it. Not because we're submitting to you but we are submitting to God and His Word. They had a readiness of mind. Turn with me. Hold your place here in Acts 70. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So the word that is used there, the idea of readiness of mind, is a predisposition to know where the truth is, to be ready to receive the truth, and to implement the truth in one's life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, now chapter 8 and chapter 9, the context here is Paul was had uh, given the need of the Jews in Jerusalem. There was a famine in Jerusalem. Many of the believers were poor, were running out of food. 
And so believers throughout Asia Minor and Macedonia were giving money and uh, providing for the necessity of the believers who were in Jerusalem. And uh, they communicate this gift, this grace, this performance. Uh, notice with me uh, verse, um, verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that, he through his poverty might, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice... For this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it as uh, that as there was a readiness to will. That expression, readiness to will, is the same Greek word for a ready mind. Notice, a readiness to will. What does that mean? What is a ready mind? They receive the word with readiness of mind. The, the, the mindset of the Bereans is, if you can convince us that that's what the word of God says, we will submit and obey. That's a readiness of mind. It's a readiness to will. It's when we are convinced by the word of God that we have to change our direction based on the word of God. We, he goes on in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind, same thing there, a readiness of mind. If you have a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. And so he says, you, you want to give, you want to be involved. They heard the need and so they, they, they thought to themselves, here is the need, we want to meet that need. Go to chapter 9. Notice, or I mean uh, chapter 8, verse 19. And not that only but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which, it, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declare, declaration of your ready mind. Now the idea here is, here, here's what, what, what happened in the mind of the, those who were at Corinth. Paul came and he says, the believers in Jerusalem are suffering, not only because of persecution, but because of the famine. They're persecuted, and they have nothing to eat. The mindset when Paul presented that was, was there's a need. We want to answer that need. So their life was adjusted. They had their own budget, their own finances, but then now that the need come, they're altering their life. Why? Because they have a ready mind. They want to be a help. And therefore, the life, their, their decision is changed in their life based upon what has been told to them. In uh, one more verse, in chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind. That's the same thing. The readiness of your mind, the willing mind, the forwardness of your mind. For which I boast of you to them of Macedonia and Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal hath provoked very many. You see the zeal was not just to, right? So here's the need in Jerusalem. Oh man, look at, look at that need over there. Somebody ought to do something. Isn't that how we come sometimes with the word of God? Oh, that's good preaching. That's good teaching. That's the truth. Somebody should do something that is not a readiness of mine. The readiness of mine is, God, you show me. 
Minister, you teach me, you preach to me. And when I see and I'm convinced, I will do it. That's the ready mind. I think that there might be too many Christians who are very interested in the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, but a, to a large extent, fewer and fewer are becoming interested in submitting to it. You see, the ready mind is not just a, re- a readiness to hear. It's a readiness to do. The believers in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they were ready to have their mind changed so that they could act upon the truth. That's the Berean standard. So let me review those. Our disposition and attitude is largely derived from the source upon which our mind is exercised. A hunger and a thirst for the Scriptures, to know the Scriptures, will be contagious in a congregation. The Holy Scriptures should be examined daily. The truth should be the object of constant study. The searching of the Scriptures is the best way to keep the mind from error. And the preaching of ministers should always be examined by the Scriptures. And lastly, the reception of the Scriptures is evidence by a practical change of mind and action. I hope you leave when you come to church. My prayer that the preaching would communicate two things. Not only that you would be convinced by the Word of God, but that you would leave this place not saying, man, that was a wonderful sermon, but that you would leave this place saying, now this is what I have to do. Here's what I have to change. Here's what I have to stop doing. Here is what I have to start doing. Here's what the Word of God spoke to me, and here is what needs to happen in my life. Not, we leave a, well, somebody... Uh, somebody, this, this was good for so-and-so over here, and this was good for so-and-so, and, well, my neighbor, he needs to hear that. No, we have to have a ready mind. God will bless the spirit of First Aid Baptist Church when we follow the Berean standard. And when people come, they should think about First Aid Baptist Church and say, and they were re- ready to receive the word of God with readiness of mind. They're searching over there the scriptures daily whether those things are so. There's an attitude and a spirit and a disposition towards the word of God that is not found in many places. And so may that be God's description of First Day Baptist Church. 